Hey, welcome to Mini Van Man. This is part two of the Joey Diaz Diaries. Uh, he's telling us this time about his new baby that he's expecting, as well as his fear of needles. And we're going to catch up with Al Madrigal and his sweating in New York. And again, this episode does have some dirty language. So you've got the kids, then listen to it later. Mini Van Man, starting now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Minivan Men. This uh, episode is part two of the Joey Diaz dialogue. Joey Diaz stories, diaries, you know what I'm saying. Uh, great stories about um, from Joe Diaz, who's been our guest now on this episode. Uh, he was on the previous episode, now he's on this episode. I'm here, Maz Jobrani, Al Madrigal out of New York. We In the previous episode, Joey was telling us about his experiences uh, with his first child and how uh, he he tried to keep it all together, uh, went through rough divorce, uh, tried to tried to stay with the kid as much as he could, uh, but in the end there was a falling out. So if you haven't heard that episode, go back listen to it because now we're about to catch up with Joe Diaz uh, on the on his wife his new life and his wife is pregnant and we're gonna catch up on what's going on now and and how he's feeling about it. Uh, once again, Joe Diaz, uh, you know him from The Longest Yard. You know him from uh, Analyze That. Uh, check him out online. Uh, very, very yeah. funny comedian. At Matt the Beauty and the Beast is uh, beautyandthebeast.com, uh, and you can listen to that very funny podcast. Um, so now, you're, uh, how far along are you with this pregnancy? She's uh, four months. I've been with Terry for 12 years. Uh, it took me... Nine years to marry her. Wow. Because for the first, you know, seven years, I was a fucking outlaw, you know, and I, and I loved her very dearly and I felt bad about it, but she got to me. You know, she got to me every week. I would go in there and go, Jesus Christ, what am I doing? I'm wasting this fucking girl's time. And she's a sweet girl. I mean, and I remember getting like the longest yard and I do blow till like three and I get up at 445 and she had my football uniform on. Wow. You know, she didn't know I was doing blow. She knew, but she didn't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? And uh, for years, I wanted to marry her. I wanted to remarry, but I kept thinking that, fuck, someday somebody's going to knock on my door, you know, for something I did as a kid. It could be anything. It could be lighting a building on fire. You know, it could be anything. I, I don't fucking know. You know, I was like, what if I get this girl hooked and then, you know, something happens, you know? So I got married uh 2009. Everything's been going great. And about two months ago, I get home from a trip. You know, on a Sunday, we all get back on Sunday. We're happy to be back. We're talking shit. And it was Mother's Day. Oh, wow. And she didn't say nothing. We went to a party. And the next morning, she told me. Wow. She goes, you knocked me up. And I only knocked up one person in my whole life. Between the drugs and God knows what else, my sperm was never fucking good. And I've dated some <laughs> freaks that, I, two chicks that have like nine kids now. You know, I couldn't get anybody pregnant. So... I couldn't believe it. I mean, for like the first week, I was in shock. But it, it came back to what I was thinking about, that somebody was going to knock on my door when I was 50. Look what it was. Yeah. I knew that the next two years, somebody was going to come to live with me. I knew I had to get out of my situation by a house because either my niece is going to come out and move with me on my wife's side or my niece is going to come out and move with me on one of my friends I grew up with side that were tight. Her and me and his daughter are very tight, and she was a baby. So she kept telling me she wanted to go to UCLA. So I kept thinking, somebody's going to not. I'm going to have a kid living in my house. 
Right. I always thought that the night, I even told like friends of mine, I got to move because I got to get a third bedroom because one of my nieces is going to come out here. Wow. So when my wife told me she was pregnant, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, you know? Here for years, I thought the feds were going to knock on my door at 50. It's the stork that's knocking on my that's door awesome. at 50. You know, how do you feel? How the fuck do you feel? You know, uh, do you know if it's a boy or a girl? No, nah, I'll know next Tuesday. Oh, wow. That's going to be amazing. And, uh, and Terry, this is Terry's first kid. Yeah, Terry's first kid. So she's 42. She's 40 fucking two. Wow. That's amazing. And what really happened was I got... Try. Yeah. I mean, they, she tried. So she wasn't taking any fertility drugs? No, she was like getting that, headaches. She was getting headaches. So she went off the uh, pill fucking eight years ago. They were giving her migraines. She gets really bad migraines. So she stopped going off the pill. I wasn't getting nobody pregnant. So what the fuck did I know? But I got knee surgery. And I started working on my legs. I had to go back to do squats and shit. And I, instead of get, taking the Winstrol, they wanted to give me for my knee... I took fucking GNC protein powder, and that shit got the sperm alive, Jack. Ha! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started working out. Yeah, I started working out on my legs because I've always worked out the last year, but the legs really uh, got it going. And I'm happy. You know, listen now, at 50, I I just seen something with Don Johnson had a kid at 63 or some shit. Oh, my God. You know, and I'm sitting there going, what the fuck is he thinking? You know, man, uh, for the first three months out, I was scared shitless. I mean, everything is all right. The financials are okay. The, the, everything looks good. The problem was, could I cut it? You know, could I cut the fucking, could I, could I cover the spread? You know, I didn't like what had happened before, you know. Uh, before, when I got into child, all that stuff, you know, I wasn't ready for it, Al. I wasn't ready for it, guys. You really have to be ready for it. I was still fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, I remember the kids sleeping on the couch. And me selling coke outside the front door with my wife in the bedroom. Wow. And I'm in the halfway house. I'm still on parole and probation. And I was just a savage. You know, you know just... it's amazing you say that because I've always said Joey Diaz's life is, uh, is, is, is ripe for a book or a movie. Um, and I remember, I think I told you this one time, Joe, about um, the guy David Milch, who's the writer. You know David Right, Milch. right, yeah, yeah. David Milch, for those of you who don't know, he was one NYPD of NYPD Blue. NYPD Blue, uh, and also uh, he, he'd, he'd written on Hill Street Blues, on Deadwood. He was one of the creators of Deadwood. This guy's a brilliant writer. And I remember reading an article about him because he was, I guess, a heroin addict or something. And a junkie. A, a, a junkie. A gambling junkie. Yeah, and he had, there's a picture, the article that they had in... Um, they had an article in, I think, like GQ years ago, because I used to work at the, I, I was a waiter at the Sports Club LA. Uh, I, I was there so I could have my uh, uh, gym membership. And this guy came in one time, and I was doing a play at the time at UCLA. The director's name was David Milch. And this guy came in just like a wreck with like, like these shorts that were beat up and torn and T-shirt kind of ripped. And he comes to the restaurant there, and he gives me his credit card, and I'm like, David Milch. I'm like, my direct, the other guy that I know is David Milch. This is another David Milch. What are the chances? And I was like, this guy kind of looked like a bum. I was like, what's this guy doing at this place? But then I realized he was, he was tipping everybody, like, graciously. Like, he was tipping me, tipping the maitre d', tipping everybody. I was like, who is this, who is this guy? So I had to look it up, and he was a junkie, and they had, he has this great picture of uh, there's this, these, these black hands holding his baby. And he goes, and, and he goes, that's my drug dealer holding my baby when my baby was born. And he goes, I have that picture up. This was in the article I read. He didn't tell me. And he said he had the picture up, I guess, in his house or his office or something just to remind him of his past. And we were just saying, like, a lot of people, probably especially 
in your youth or whatever, you're doing whatever. I mean, even later. But what you were saying, you were in a, a place where you had the baby inside and you're doing a drug deal outside. I it mean, that's... Was, it was fucking... Uh, it was, I, I was one of those guys that thought the baby was going to change my life. Right. Okay, not that I planned for it. You know, I came out of the halfway house. Uh, I, I was getting furloughs. I, I made love to her in the woods behind her parents' house, and she called me and said she was pregnant. Did I like that I loved the girl? Was I in love with her? Not really. But I thought the kid, uh, yeah, it's such a great when you see it come out yeah, of the yeah, vagina. Yeah, it's going to make you a family. Yeah, it's, yeah, oh, my God. And I remember sitting there with my friends, you know, with two pounds of Coke on the table, snorting and drinking and going, once the kid is born, this ain't going to happen. Wow. You know, and you're like, who the fuck are you kidding? That's why when you hear it, yeah. you know it's a lie because yeah. I said it for years. You know, yeah. I lied to myself for years. Yeah. And it was just really weird that I loved having a baby and I was a good dad, but there was a part of me that wasn't ready for it. Yeah. You know, I just watched a, uh, an old episode of The Sopranos and he yells at Sharippa. And Sharippa goes, Tony, sorry I'm late. You know how it is. I had to put the baby seat in the car. And he looked at him and he goes, no, I don't. Wow. <laughs> I don't know how that is because I never fucking did it. Wow. You know, and, yeah, then, yeah. and I'm from that old school. You yeah, know, yeah, I'm yeah. a little on the weird side. When I go to a farmer's market on Sundays during football season and I see these guys and I can see the pain on their face, you just want to say, tell the fucking lady that you want to sit and watch one hour of football. She's there with four of her friends, and you got to walk around like you're the fucking father of the year. That proves that you're the father of the year. Yeah. That has nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that's, it's just amazing what a father is and what a father is. Yeah. And what America thinks we should do and what the fuck we, sh we do do. Yeah. There's two big differences when you're a father. You know, yeah. That's great when I see a guy walking across the fucking street with his baby on his chest, and they're walking across the thing and stuff, or... You know, you, Al knows what I'm talking about when you hear women, oh, my God, it's so hard to have a kid. Really go to the fucking valley where you see a Mexican woman pregnant, pushing a kid, and walking with one in her fucking hand. Meanwhile, <laughs> and, your little so, white wife in Studio City in has two yeah. kids and six butlers. Bitch, you better check yourself <laughs> before you wreck yourself, motherfucker. You know, it's Science. A, it's amazing what uh, I just wasn't ready, Al. And I love my, I mean, I got into fist fights in front of my child. I got wow. into... I was a savage, you know, that thing with John, that thing with her, her, her stepfather, yeah. you know. I mean, I was ready to kill this motherfucker, and, I, and that's what made me say, you know what, I'm a good dad, pardon me, but the other part, I was being uh, hypocritical. Well, you know, it's funny you're saying all this, because I actually, like, I've, I've experienced this with fa family members and stuff who, exactly what you're saying, were not ready to be a dad. Because it's like, it's kind of like, when people go and they go, uh, oh, Mercedes is having a lease sale, you know, and, uh, you know, you can get the Mercedes for $400 a month and yada, yada, yada. And I go, well, wait a minute now. You're going to have to pay full insurance, you know, just because you got $400 a month doesn't mean you can afford the Mercedes. Right. You have to pay insurance. You got to get the premium gas if you want it to run right. Uh, you got to pay so much for... You Parking know, and yeah, all this. There's so and, and, and a lot more involved. So it's the same with kids where people go, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to have it. I love ba I love kids. It's and I was like, oh, it's not that easy. And it's and it's and easy. really, I always, I mean, I said this when that whole Octomom thing came out. I was like, we got to go get a license to drive. I said, there should be a, a way that they assess, like, people that want to have babies, you got to get a license a GED something. A GED something, because there's so many people that are not ready. Not ready. They're just not ready. They're not. They're not. They're not mentally ready. They're not financially ready. 
And that's a huge thing. And you thing. see so many savages with kids. Like, you see, like, uh, I saw this woman dragging this little kid. You know, you ever see it? She's way too young and um, has this little, the cutest little girl you've ever seen behind her, but she's going so swearing at her. Why are you fucking going so slow? Hurry up, Ugh. hurry up. What's your fucking problem? Then grab him by the hand like you're going to rip her uh, shoulder out of the socket. Ugh. And then dragging this girl, a little girl that looks like she could be on a TV show. And uh, so adorable. And these bad young moms that just aren't ready. And you, you know, know what like the you, sad thing is? It's a cop-out because nobody's ever ready to be a parent. Right. Nobody, Al. You weren't. Moms oh, wasn't. No, I was so worst. either you step up to the pump or you don't. Yeah. I did not step up to the pump uh, emotionally or just mentally. I wasn't ready. Yeah. But it's a cop out. Nobody's ready for a kid. I love these people. Well, we're gonna save for two years, and then we're gonna say, oh, "Go fuck your mother." In the ass. You're gonna save for two fucking years. What are you, a fucking idiot? You love her. She great. loves me. Suck that helmet. And let's get fucking pregnant. That's it. <laughs> and you get pregnant. And you, and you know what, man? I mean, I've known situations where I was making a thousand a month, and now I need three thousand a month, and it happens. When you put yourself against a fucking wall with a gun to your head, you'll make three and four fucking thousand a month. That's just the way life is. You know, and I was making the money, Al. Al, I had the desire. I was a Cuban dad. I was making the money. I was coming home. I wasn't cheating. But that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to play with the kid for an hour. Once the kid got fussy or whatever, I'm out of there. Yeah. I don't have that type of patience and mentality. I didn't have the patience to wait for her for breakfast in the morning. You know, I get up at 6, I wash my pussy, I'm in the car at 6.15. Let's go. We're going to go eat breakfast, let's go. If you're going to walk around like a fucking Momo, I don't have time for you. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Meet me there. I wasn't prepared. I was going to... I remember the day her water broke. I was pissed because I was doing a term paper. Like, I was pissed because I was doing a fucking term paper. You were in college? I was in college. I was in the middle of a fucking term paper. Oh, wow. I had just got out of fucking... I was... I was uh, I just got out of the fucking joint, and I got back into the University of Colorado, three or six credits or something. And I had to prove myself to get back in to finish because the University of Colorado, I found out I might be getting in trouble for drugs. I was in the CUOP program, the Colorado uh, Opportunity Program for minorities. They only had like three Puerto Ricans, so I was driving like a fucking Lincoln Continental and shit. They were paying me just to walk on campus, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I went as a Joey Diaz. They're like, nah, but if you're Jose... We'll hook you up like a Jose motherfucker. Diaz. Done. I'll be back tomorrow, motherfucker. Look at my license. It says Jose Diaz. Hilarious. Oh, fuck yeah. COP. They gave me like 8000 a year just to go, plus a car, an apartment, two hours of tutoring a week. I took advantage, dog. I don't fuck Hilarious. around. Hilarious. <laughs> but you know what's, what, what you were saying about, like, you're right. You're never prepared. You're never prepared. You're never you prepared. either step up to nah, the pump true. or yeah, you true. fucking it's don't. Yeah. And I did not step up to the pump. It's always going to be the reality. Absolutely. Is that this is difficult shit. It really is. It really is hard. difficult. And it scares that You know, I was in New York uh, about two months ago, and I went on the balcony to smoke a joint. And then the building was like, you know, New York now, it's all 1920. And they refurbish it, but the balconies are still fucking for people that weigh 10 pounds. Yeah. So I'm out there, I'm out there going, I hear, eh, eh, and as I'm smoking the joint, and I look down now, and I had to fucking throw the joint over and crawl back into the fucking hotel room because I looked down. I was on like the eighth floor. Well, the next night I couldn't sleep again. I went out there and I said, this time I'm not going to fucking look down. I smoked the whole joint, and I stayed out there for 10 minutes just reflecting on life. And I walked in, I said, wow, I didn't get scared. You know why? Because I didn't look down. Right. I didn't look. 
I didn't look. I didn't even think about it. Right. And the same happens. Like right now, uh, you know, I don't like needles. You do know that I have fucking yeah. faints and shit. I go to acupuncture to take over my needles fear. I don't like having fears of anything. Yeah. So uh, because of the baby, I have to get whooping cough. Yeah, yeah. And I got to get a tetanus shot. So I had to go into the doctor three weeks in a row to get two needles a shot. Now, guys, I've already had six blood tests this year, the surgeries. I'm on my quota for fucking needles. Yeah. If you know anything about me, I get like two needles a year, and I'm good. Everything else, I'll take a pill. Fuck it. So I did all this shit, and I, my wife calls me. She's like, well, go to SAG. So I called SAG, in the paperwork. Dr. Waxer calls me. He's like, Doug, you got to take six shots, two shots a week for three fucking weeks. Wow. So I go, I go, let me go in the afternoon. So I had a chance to think about the needles. Guys, before I went in there, the beads of sweat were falling off my hand. Like wow. I, was a ba- I mean, I had a nervous breakdown, but it was the epitome of the- And there was no incident when you were a kid? Like oh, yeah, yeah. I hated, I've needles. always hated needles and blood. The best thing God did was not let me see needles because I'd be strung out on heroin. That's the best thing God ever did. I can't even smell a fucking cotton ball. Wow. Like, I clean my ears with a fucking pen. I don't even like Q-tip in my ears, which is, which is a scam anyway. They just pack the fucking wax in. That's what you got to occupy. It just pushes it Yeah, in. that's Hilarious. it. The best fucking ear thing is a big pen. They take earwax, potatoes. It takes everything out. A fucking, like a tweezer, the other side, you scrape that shit out. But those, anyway, why are we talking about earwax, my Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we talking? So, uh, oh, it's funny. It's just... Uh, but no, but, but with that said, though, and here's the thing. I, I agree. You, you're never prepared, but the beauty of it is I think there's a... It helps to have a maturity, which you've come through. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, you step up. But you stepped up before, too. I stepped but now, up before, but, but now you're stepping up, up in a different way. Yeah, now you're stepping up in a way where you, you feel like sometimes, like, if I, if I feel overwhelmed, a lot of times I sit there and I go, like, I, I, I don't allow myself. I, you're overwhelmed. You're spending time with them. You're exhausted. You haven't slept, whatever. But I sit there and I go, I've got the means, not just financially, but physically, mentally, to get through this. Like, there's been times, like, my baby, my baby girl, I've talked about it on this before, she had eczema, and she would, uh, she, like, she'd wake up in the middle of the night rolling around, and you'd be up all night trying to put her to sleep. Come on, baby. Yeah, you're suffering from exhaustion. You're suffering from exhaustion, and at a certain point, I was saying this, like, I, I, I would, like, I understood, I, I thought it to myself. I was like, I understand how someone who is, let's say, uh, like, like, let's say they're uh, drugged out, and they're they're like new like a young mom drugged out and the baby's like just driving them crazy and you understand these stories sometimes where they go the mom like you know put the baby somewhere and took off you know you you i understand because i go i understand how you go to that point of craziness but for me like fortunately i sit there and i go when i even when i get that upset when I would, I, now she's good at with a sleeping but even when i get that upset about it i would just take a step back and i'd be like wait a minute you're, you're grown up. You can't, you know, even this three in the morning you haven't slept, that's fine. You'll, you'll nap later. I mean, I, I, had, the, I had the preparedness mentally because, you, you know, it's, you, you want, because there's also this, this very uh, um, uh, natural desire you have to take care of these kids, of these babies. You know what I'm saying? And it's, as a parent, you just have this thing that, as a, as a dad, you want to protect them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but when you're exhausted like that, also you make bad choices, whether it's parenting or anything like that. I mean, when you're just, and, and it really does suck the life out of you. And when the kids are just saying, you know, my kids are older now and they're pushing and pushing and they're hitting each other and they're like, you know, being obnoxious. Like, I would never beat my kids, but I could understand how somebody could be pushed to do that. 
like, I mean, just fucking freak out. Yeah, lose it. Yeah, you lose yeah, it. Lose your shit. Yeah, and and you know, drink excessively. You know, like, yeah, because uh, it's 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 fucking. It, it really is uh, difficult. Now, Joey, this time around, do you feel you feel like you're? This is happen. It's happening at a better time, it, and this is with the right woman. I'm more confident. It. Uh, it's the right woman. I'm more confident. I want the baby. You know, there's a reason. I'm happy for my wife. You moved into this house? We're going to move to Burbank. You know, she's been looking around. Uh, you don't want to rush into nothing. But um, I'm happy I, for the way, my I, wife. I live, in e I live in Eagle Rock. I love it. Really? Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Good school it's systems and all that shit good, up there? Good, great school system, magnet stuff, and um, affordable front lawns, nice neighbors, diverse. And, yeah, I can't get enough of it. Mazda's been over. It's okay, nice I'll take a look over there. Hey, let's take a break and come back and, uh, and talk a little bit more to Joey Diaz about the new baby. We'll be back. Yo, this is Chris Spencer. I know you guys are listening to us. You're laughing and you're, you're telling everybody about us, but we need you to rate it. So when you go on iTunes, rate us. Go down to where it says comments and say, hey, I think you're groovy. Hey, we're back on the minivan, man. This is Maz Jobrani uh, out of Los Angeles. We got Al Madrigal in New York. We got our guest, Joey Diaz. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at Mad Flavor. Um, we are, uh, he's expecting. He's expecting a baby soon. We'll find out uh, very shortly if it's a boy or a girl. Are you going to be, are you going to go into the uh, delivery room? Yes and no. You know, I can't, I don't know how long I can tolerate the fucking blood. And the whole uh, mess. I, swear. I walked in with my first wife. I walked into the epidermal block, and that was the beginning of the end. When I seen that needle in her spine. But uh, her mother's coming out. You okay. know, we're going to fly the mother out. And she's going to be here with her for a couple of days. and uh, So Terry could be comfortable. And I'll do the best I can. You That's know? a beautiful thing. I'll do the thing. best I can. Yeah, and my, my, my advice, having gone through this again, and we, we, had to, like, we had like a night nurse come and stay with us. But if the mother can stay with you guys, for like the first month or so, because I didn't know about all this stuff, but you you read about it later. But women have the whole postpartum, and there's moods, and there's a lot of stuff that you're going to be dealing with after the baby comes out. Because especially, I don't know if you, Terry's going to have a C-section or not. She does. No, she she wanted to have a C-section, and they said no. Pop it out of the fucking monkey. If she it's pops like, it out, yeah. that's beautiful because it's beautiful. Yeah. Then yeah. then she doesn't doesn't have to recover from a surgery. No, no, no. no but no. if you can have someone around to help, because there was a whole thing on on the radio about. Um, how back in the day, and in some cultures still, when the woman has a child, like for the first six months, there's all these women around helping because she needs to recover mentally and psychologically. Um, now, um, a couple of things we wanted to catch up on. First of all, uh, Al Madrigal, you're in New York. Family's been out with you the whole month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how you know i'm I'm not used to this shit it's uh in terms of the humidity and walking around and going down and i take the subway it's like 150 degrees down there and um i'm just uh i'm a mess how'd you do it you grew up in the heat joey so you're you're totally used to i this. hated it al i hate, i knew it 15 that there was a better something and i used to come out here as a kid 
My uncle. Is it that people don't know? Is it, I don't understand. Listen, like, I uh, didn't you know knew about humidity. I just knew that you would go out at night and your balls would sweat and your ass would sweat and your legs would sweat and, you know, you'd sweat when you dry up when you come out of the shower, which is the weirdest thing ever, to dry yourself off of sweat while you're getting dressed to go out, on, you know. Ugh. And I went to, I used to come to California. One day I asked my uncle, why don't I sweat? And he started telling me about humidity. I didn't know. I was like eight. And I just knew that the time I was going to be 18, I was out of humidity. And I went to the University of Colorado. That's why I ended in Boulder, because there's no humidity in Colorado. Wow. I'm a no humidity. I don't go to the East Coast. I go to the East Coast one month, Al. You ready? February. Yeah, it's beautiful. Three days. That's what I could deal with. Yeah. It's not as and beautiful. Then- it's fucking penguin weather. But at least you know where the fuck you stand. Yeah. Nobody could talk no, no, into no. doing I, stupid shit. In terms shit. of the, it's, uh, like it's at that point... It's not completely freezing, right? Oh, it's or... fucking freezing. No, it's cold. It's, it's fucking it? freezing. Yeah, it's freezing. Mid February is as cold as it's gonna get in the desert. See, in the we East didn't get this. I didn't. I didn't get a real taste. I went and bought all of this cold gear, and they didn't have a winter at all. Oh, it's coming. No, it was mild. They'll come this year. It's coming. You get that okay. wind off the motherfucking Hudson. Your ears feel like potato chips. Like you want to crack them. Like. So when they were all out in February this last year, we were having seventy degree yeah, days yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Global warming. So you guys, yeah. you're there. You, 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 now you decided to just have the the family stay in that because Al's staying in a in a house. He's got a room in a house with a, a friend of his has a house out there. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not even a house. It's a large flat in Brooklyn that um, my buddy's been living at for a long time. But he's got this, you know, big. Back bedroom. So you got, so you is, got, you got uh, the so wife, got, kids, and two dogs in that room. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Yeah, it's it's uh, my wife warned me about it. it's uh, the dog thing is what puts it over the top. Wife and kids, everybody's happy. It's a great you know situation here because um, we this guy, I've known this guy since I was five years old. The dogs then have me waking up. I I put them in a little kennel, and then at six forty five. They got to go out and piss. Ugh. And they, they're used to having a doggy door in the backyard in Los Angeles. They can take themselves out whenever they want. It's fine. Now I got to walk them. Then I got to, you know, somebody's got to take them out during the middle of the day. Then I got to take them out at night. And they start giving you the look. Like, you know, I really got to. So I'm out. And not only is it humid as fuck, but I'm out walking, doing laps. You know, and and I got to go to work, and I'm going to. Aren't there you know, aren't there just, dog places you can leave them like while you yeah, go? Yeah, they they cost a fortune. Everything here costs a fucking, a fucking fortune. Fortune. Everything. Everything. Dude, I don't understand how people buy houses. They, every single house that you can buy in an apartment comes with like a seven hundred and fifty dollar maintenance fee. So you're paying your mortgage and a maintenance fee, and you got to tip to you know whatever. It's like everything is so expensive. All of the food, everything, everywhere you go, I haven't gotten a break yet. Like I mean, the um, all of, like if I had to go buy some pet food or anything like that, it's twice the price. Everything's twice the price. Welcome so, to New York, I don't baby. Know, uh, you got to be, everybody here is must be super rich. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, you assume that. And then, like you said, Joey, when you were talking about it, then you see the, the Mexican lady pushing it with three kids. Like, they're doing it. You know, they're living. 
and uh, what I just, I don't understand how people can live here. They can and uh, it costs a fortune. Everything costs a fucking fortune. So that's been the reality: is the humidity, the price of stuff. Maz knows from the history of this podcast. I'm very I'm very frugal. I'm thrifty. I like to you know save as much money as I possibly can. And um, this this place is fucking killing me. Just walking around, you'll yeah. drop 80 cash. Oh, yeah. That's without eating. That's just a train, a newspaper, a hot dog, you know, just fucking around. God forbid you have oh. a car and you got to go for tolls. I can't do it. You think you're it. saving money on the subway? That's $10 a day. $10 boom, boom. I got to go back in and go do stand-up? And you go into yeah. the city every day, Al? Yeah, because I'm doing spots. So I got to go into the city. I got to go to work. Then I come home. Then I go back for spots. And so if I have a comedy seller spot or if I have a, And then, you know, I'm popping on and off the train if I've got to go to another place. And then let's say they, they pay you at all the clubs, which is great. So if I go to a comedy seller, you know, it, they, I like it when, when they're charging money at the door. New York is really good about putting money in the comics' hands. And, um, you know, it's only like, I, I guess, L.A., that's that's a great difference, and being able to do stand up, meeting all these different types, you know, stand ups that I've I've known but never really got to hang out with, that's great. I'm having a good time doing stand up comedy out here, but in terms of like all the back and forth and the hustle bustle, I mean, I'm running around like I'm crazy, and I don't have my wife and kids here for the most part. They're in L.A., so I got nothing but free time. But I've never worked harder. What did, know, what, did the, like, what did the uh, kids do when they came out for the summer? Were they were they going around and did, seeing it, stuff in New York? We talked about this a little bit in the previous things, but uh, they did basketball camp. My son, Joey, I put a little basketball court. That little boy that climbed up on your lap in 2004 is now 10 years old. And he, I put a little basketball hoop in my backyard with a three-point line. And I told him I'd give him a thousand bucks when he beat me. And he wants to play constantly, so he plays every single day. And uh, went to a Brooklyn basketball camp where the the guy has like fourteen point guards in the NBA and all these kids. My son came home. He's like, one of the kids in my group touched the rim today. Wow! Like <laughs> all these kids are. Uh, he's only four. Yeah, exactly. They're these. You know, he's the. Uh, the smallest kid in the whole group, and he goes in, and the guy grabs me the first day, and he goes, your son's good, real good. I want him here every summer. This kid's amazing. Keep him in camps. Keep him in the He lit the whole thing up, won the shooting competition, and these are kids that are all going to go play in high school. You look at all these kids, it looks like NBA draft. Wow. And then, so that he was doing that, and then my daughter was taking a little camp, and then they, they, they've been really keeping themselves busy. They love it. They love riding the trains. That's good. My son's good. Yeah, so everybody's having a great time. Um, and how was Malaysia? Uh, Joey, Maz just got back from Malaysia. Yeah, he was Malaysia. Yeah, I did Malaysia, and then I did Montreal. My thing was, was, was uh, I'll, I'll just be brief, and I can catch people up on the next, uh, next uh, podcast, but uh, my, the crazy part for me was I flew 20 hours. I went L.A., Hong Kong, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur. This is my this is my life. I get there. Are you glad you didn't you know, take the family on that? Huh? You're glad you didn't take the no, family? No, I'm glad. Because we, we actually had booked it to take the family with us. So it was going to be my daughter, my wife, the boy, and our nanny. It was going to be the whole thing. We were all going. And then we took a flight. We took a flight from New York back to L.A. that was delayed by an hour or two. And the baby was just bawling on there. And my wife and I, we looked at each other. We, we can't put this baby through 20 hours of a flight through Kuala Lumpur. 
and uh, to Kuala Lumpur. And it's crazy because I realized that because I, I, first of all, flying business class. So now I'm like, for me, you know, for, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to kicking it on the plane. And I go to the airport and I realize, you know, you book flights and then you, once you get there that day, you're like, what was I thinking? Because it was the flight left at 1:30 in the morning, and as I was going there, I was like, I'm like, I was really gonna bring the family and wake the baby up at 1:30 in the morning to get her on the airplane mid sleep, and the boy, both of them grumpy and crying, and I, what the what was I thinking? And so, and I, how was the, how are the shows? Do they understand what's going? On? I mean, what's that? How are the shows? Well, the show the shows is a whole different thing. I was I was trying to catch up on sleep and stuff, but it was funny just traveling. 20 hours i land in hong kong i'm walking it was weird i land in hong kong and i'd never gone to the asian part of the world i would go to the middle east never gone to the asian side and i'm i'm walking through the airport and i'm looking around i'm like and i see a lady one of the security you know tsa ladies sitting there with one of those sars masks on i'm like oh my god i'm in sars land like that was the first realization and i had a hat on and it was weird i was going like past the lady and she looked at me she made this gesture with my hat i was like what made the gesture like take off your hat I was like, wow, what? That, I, I, I guess you can't have your hat on. Maybe there's some sort of disease, something. So I took it off. I'm walking. I look around. Everyone else is walking right past the bitch with the hat on. I was like, she just had it out for. I was like, what the? Why she pick on me uh, with the hat? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, fuck. I put the hat back on. I'm like, screw this. I don't know. The lady was randomly like picked me out for some reason. And then I get there, uh, I wonder exhausted. Why, I, 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 and it, basically, I was there for four days, and I was. It took me about three or four days to start adjusting to the time. Now I'm just starting to maybe adjust a little bit because they're 15 hours ahead of us. Now I got to get on a plane, fly 20 hours back to L.A., get out in L.A., spend five hours with the family, and my wife wants to go furniture shopping. So my five hours back in L.A., I'm furniture shopping with my wife, and uh, I'm on a plane that night on a red eye to Montreal to do the comedy festival, and I'm there for seven days. And I, I was telling Jorge earlier... My jet lag was, I think my body was like, where, where are you? What are you doing? And I, I woke up every morning, no matter what time I went to sleep in Montreal, every morning, 7.30, I'm up. You know, I go to bed at 4, up at 7.30. Bed at 3, up at And, you know, comics don't wake up at that time. So I'm walking around Old Town, Montreal on my own, looking at the beach. I'm like, what a beautiful city, you know. Uh, I get myself a massage appointment, like a real massage, like four hours at the spa. It was it was a good time, but uh, I just exhausted. always look at it like it's napping. You know, like I'm just taking naps at that point. These are just oh my god! Know, I was um, well. The problem was I would wake up that early, be up till like noon or one, then I get the nap on. But you're in the bed from like one to two, trying to fall asleep. Now I'm out at two, and then I got to be up at six to get to the theater by seven. So I'm getting up at six, and it's like middle of, you know, REM deep sleep. You know, and I'm like, ah, the last thing I want to do now is go get on a show. But you got to get up. You got to be fresh. You know, so uh, it was crazy. And I came back to, when I came back to L.A., uh, basically I realized, because I left Montreal, like I woke up at like 5.30 in the morning, East Coast time, flew back, got in, hit the ground running, was with the family like till 9. And I went to bed with the baby at 9, and I had the best sleep I've had. I slept till like, oh, my God, like 10 hours. I kept waking up in the middle of the night. Not, I couldn't believe that I was still sleeping. So it's just, you know, it's part of what you do. What's crazy is with the jet lag, it, it, it catches up to you. You know what I'm saying? With the but your wife didn't do one of those things where she handed the kids, <laughs> like, you know, look at Mr. Party Time, uh, jet setting, you know, I've been, it's suffering. No, it's interesting. She time. did not do that, uh, but, but we got in a little bit of an argument 
like like uh, I don't know if it was the day of or the next day or something, and and it was just about like spending time and being together and all. And I was like, oh man, I'm just I mean, because I mean, you know, our, you know, when you're on the road, they think, oh, you're out. There. I mean, you're, yeah, you go out for drinks, you have dinners, you're not you're not changing diapers and stuff, but it's it's exhausting. And you know, I was I was exhausted, and and we we got, we talked through it, but it was just like come on man you know and but i'll be honest with you one of the good things is the past week i've been getting up like seven or eight with the kids in the morning and like playing with them a little bit before they go off and do their thing and it's, it's been great so happy to be back um the can't can't say enough again good things about felicia michaels i like her as, as so much man i i think she is because um, i've just got an opportunity to sit and talk with her and hang out with her um Felicia Michaels is the person who does co-host the host of Beauty and the Beast. I'm very fortunate because uh, I met it's Felicia. Such a great match. How did you guys come? I together? met Felicia 20 years ago when I was an open micer at the Denver Comedy Works, and I had you know when you're a tw- when you're a first, second, third year comic, you go to these comedy clubs and you're looking for knowledge, and some of the comics are just fucking cunts, douchebags. Some of them will talk to you, and some of them will really take the time, you know. And she was one of the ones that took the time. Is she the one that kind of got a high pitched voice? Yeah, I never she took met. I met her once, I think. And, She's beautiful. And then uh, I seen her. She, you know, she was a big time comedy store girl. Yeah. And when I came to the comedy store, I looked for her, and I heard she was married, and she had kids. And uh, one day I seen her at the store. She had cut her hair, and I could tell she was out of place. So I didn't think she would remember me. So I didn't say nothing to her. And then one night I bumped into her at the Melrose Improv, like about three years ago. And she told me she got divorced and stuff, and I thanked her for being kind to me. And I asked her if I could, she could teach me how to write jokes. And I would go up there and uh, write with her once a week. And then when this podcast thing came up, I said, what a weird combination, her voice and my voice. Oh, that's great. So we just started doing it. We just had our 100th podcast. It's called Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. We had Stephen Bowen from Scarface. It's, oh, wow. It's about second chances. It's about... Oh, that's great. We had Amelia Rivera on. We've had a lot of actors on that had the crazy life and it's on know? itunes itunes yeah it's on itunes beauty and the beast people can listen to beauty and the beast on itunes you can follow joey diaz on at mad flavor on twitter yeah, if you're in the minneapolis area at the mall of america you're still going to be there september 13th yeah 16th. yeah i'll be there september i'll be in uh nashville august 15th i'll be in uh baltimore at the comedy factory september 27th so i got some dates coming. you got a website too they can see these dates joey coco diaz.net Joey Coco Diaz. Great storyteller, great guy. Um, we'd love to have you back. Um, it, it, uh, thanks so much for Thank doing this. Thank you. and it's, I, I want to congratulate you on all your success in the commercials. You've always been a fucking great guy. Uh, I was talking about you a couple weeks ago up in Sacramento with uh, the big black guy up there. The, Abe. 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 Oh, yeah. Abe. Guys. He's so, Arab. Yeah. Arab. Abe's Abe's an Arab. Arab Abe. I thought yeah. he was black all yeah. week. He's yeah. fucking Arab. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I love you guys. Maz, Maz, Jabrani. Oh. Jabrani, Maz. Oh. I mean, we're the fucking, we rewrote that song yeah. Joey, way before. So we Joey, go back. So. Joey Diaz is legendary. We're, we're so happy to have you on the Thank show. Thank you very man. much for having me and for spending time with me and for listening to me. All right. Great luck with the baby. You too, my man. Good luck to all you. Right. I love you, Al. Thank you for listening to Many Van Men, and uh, keep listening, and we will be back next week. Thank you for your support, and send us emails at minivanmen at gmail.com, as well as we're on Twitter now. Uh, we have a Twitter page. Uh, it's at, I think it's at MVM Men. Oh, man, I got to look it up. I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the real one. They're going to give me the whole name. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just, at Al Madrigal. We'll, we'll work on that. At Maz Jobrani. 
follow us. See you later. As Joey Diaz would say, science. Stay, stay black. Stay black. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch or find out more, you can go to minivanmen.com or contact us through our websites. There's thechrisspencer.com, masjobrani.com, and almadrigal.com. We hope to hear from you. Thanks. Minivan Men.